Mr. A here saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or bumble like a Gregor Bryan combo. Standing on the ground, flat feet, firm, killing worms and drugs. And I'm doing it on my terms. It's a right with a little bit of money. Welcome to the rumble. We are back and better than ever helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok, and they just call me the mouth of the South. And alongside of me is the Prince of Payments, the aristocrat of ALE, Mr. Caleb Owens of Premier Housing Group, and the abundantly factodial and the indisputably incredible, the one and only... Baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. How is everybody doing this fine, 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 fine day? Good. Doing really good. It's awesome, a- awesome, awesome. It's a little rainy here today. It's been, you know, we're coming out of like a, like the deep freeze that Texas has been in. Um, again, I'm not going to complain about the cold because I actually like it. Gross. Come on now. I mean, it's so hot here. And, you know, Caleb, you're from you're from Oklahoma. So I know that you get a I mean, it gets pretty hot there, but you guys occasionally can see some snow now and again. And and you actually have a winter from time to time, don't you? Very true. Yeah, it definitely snows in Oklahoma. So um, we hardly ever get any. All we get is freezing rain, sleet and pain in the ass kind of stuff. But that's all we ever get. But. So, uh, Baby Cakes, you got any fun facts for us? I do. Oh, here we go. Fun facts. Fun facts with Baby Cakes is brought to you by Inc., the best way to get paid after a property claim. Inc., save time, get paid. Um, Did you guys know that David Bowie's elementary school music teacher was Peter Frampton's dad? (laughs) Really? Mm -hmm. No idea. That's that's, that's good to know. You kind of see where he got it. Yeah. Um, Alice Cooper was pen pals with Pablo Picasso. Most people think wow. Pablo Picasso was alive, like way, 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 That's way. That's what I thought, and he's he really was. He's more of a modern artist, believe it or not. I yep. didn't know that until till I looked him up after reading this. I was like, "That's stupid." He can't. Picasso, not one of my, not one of my favorite artists out there, but he did do <laughs> stuff other than abstracts, and so some of his. Uh, I've never seen his other stuff. Yeah. I didn't know he was. Uh, when did he die? Do you, do you know that? I think he died in the seventies. Yeah, like seventy-three oh, wow. yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's well. more modern. Yeah, for sure. I, I yeah. thought he was kind of back in the Renaissance with Monet and yeah. those yeah. other feely people. Um, Gordon Lightfoot's song "Sundown" was written for the same woman who went to jail for providing the drugs that killed John Belushi. Come on, really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Boy, heavy on the sun down there, huh? Yep. God. <laughs> the person playing guitar on Tom Jones' It's Not Unusual is it's Jimmy not, Page. It's not unusual to be loved by wow. anyone. <laughs> Jimmy Page rocked that out, huh? Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's see. One of the backup singers on David Bowie's song Young Americans um, was Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. He's kind of doing the. Uh, who's the guy that they they did that they did that video? He's running around and he sings like one line in every song. 
Is that Michael, Michael McD- McDonald? Michael McDonald, yeah. So Luther Vandross, I guess Michael McDonald was somewhere else. Yeah, they they, didn't, they couldn't get him, so they they, <laughs> <laughs> they settled for Luther. Yeah, there you go. All right, that's now you know, and knowing is half the bullshit. Now I know, and no one's half of it. There we go, guys. <laughs> we have got an incredible show. Caleb has has uh, has uh, graciously decided to join us today. We're going to be discussing all things ALE, and ALE is one of those confusing things. Not a lot of adjusters handle it because a lot of adjusters don't really know how to handle it. Um, Caleb has become quite the expert. He is the uh, resident expert here at Remedy claims consulting he owns and operates a uh, business out of oklahoma known as premier housing group and so we are going to lean on his wisdom and his knowledge for all things additional living expenses and we're going to get into it i just want to remind you that we're going to be com- we're going to be discussing this in three separate rounds the when we start a round you're going to hear a bell it sounds like this and when the round ends you're going to hear this And that's how you're going to know that the round is over. I want to remind you that this is not a debate show, despite the name being the Rumble. It is you guys that are in the Rumble, and we're just simply here commentating and providing our insight on the thing that you are slugging it out with every single day. I cannot wait to get into this. I've got a bunch of claims that have ALE right now, and if you do too, you're not going to want to miss it. So let's, without further ado, let's get into it, because round one starts. Starts right after this. Public adjusters, roofers, and restoration contractors, listen up. This is Jeremy Lavelle, host of The Rumble, and I am hosting a very unique training event called Control the Narrative. I will be unpacking all of my tips, tricks, and tools in a one-of-a-kind, one-day masterclass. If you want to learn practical claim strategy, how to gather the actual documentation that gets the claim approved, and how to manage and organize multiple claims, you are going to want to sign up for this event. Control the Narrative is being held on March the 5th at Alamo Draft House in Irving, Texas. You will receive a full day of training, access to all the tools and technology used in the process. You're going to get free swag, and most of all, you're going to get all of your questions answered. Lunch is going to be provided, and there's going to be a happy hour immediately following the training. So go to remedyclaims.com training to register. There's only 50 seats available, so don't wait. Register now, and I'll see you on the next one. Round one, what is ALE? So briefly, guys, ALE is most of you know is uh, it's it's called additional living expenses. Sometimes it's also referred to as uh, loss of use, um, kind of depending on the policy or what you're in. Um, it is referred to within the industry around other public adjusters and claim professionals simply as coverage D. Sometimes within homeowners policies, if you're using a State Farm policy, it's referred to as coverage C because State Farm doesn't really have a coverage, um, you know, and other structures coverage. So, um, but most commonly among most HO3 policies, it is called coverage D or uh, additional living expenses. And the first thing I kind of want to get into is sort of what it's not. It is not an expense account. 
Okay. And a lot of people approach it sort of like this expense account. They can spend the money kind of however they want. And I'm going to let Caleb kind of further describe sort of what he does in the ALE round. But first, Caleb, tell us sort of where you came from and uh, who's holding your children captive to make you do something this kind of crazy. So go ahead. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah. uh, Well, I got into uh, doing this because um, I had, I guess you could say of COVID because of COVID, uh, there's a lot of people like that kind of changed your life. Um, I had a uh, corporate housing business before um, and we had to adapt and overcome after COVID. It kind of really didn't collapse it, but it, it shook it pretty hard. Um, and we, we kind of pivoted. We were doing this before that for several years, but this kind of really accelerated everything um, and kind of went into the, um, the role of providing ALE housing. Uh, we don't only do housing. We do pretty much any and everything that is, just as you put it, uh, under coverage D or additional living expenses. Anything that falls within that umbrella, we do it all. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of curious, let me just ask you this kind of quick question. I mean, the COVID pivot, there's so many people that went through that process. Yeah. You know what I mean? The COVID pivot where we, you know, the country shuts down and we have to figure out what we're doing. And, um, I was using a different company prior to talking with and meeting you. And I'm going to tell you that it matters who you pick when it comes down to using uh, either a housing service or an ALE service, one of the things that I like that is different about Caleb is that he, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you're just doing it for me, but he handles ALE kind of soup to nuts, beginning to end, and he will handle your ALE burden 100%. And the reason I personally like that, and he's nodding for you, for, for you guys following along at home, he's nodding up and down, letting me know that he does do that. Um, one of the things that I don't do is I don't take a fee on ALE. Um, because it is a reimbursed expense. You know what I mean? So it's money that they would have spent out of their own pocket. It's just a reimbursed expense. And so um, additional living expenses is not a burden that I want to put down on on clients. I have charged for it in the past. And I, you know, if they insist on me handling some things, I, you know, I have done it. But moving forward um, and being able to work with Caleb, I am passing all of the ALE burden over to him. Now, I still argue it. I still make sure that the policy is held up. I pay attention to the policy limits, those sorts of things. Um, But I pass it off. I pass it off to Caleb. So he is more than just housing. Um, and housing obviously is the big portion of it, but, uh, I want to remind people that there is so much more to it than housing, especially as you go through the claim, um, finding somebody to live obviously is the priority at the very, very beginning. So Caleb, can you kind of tell me, um, so how do you figure out what kind of place that you're going to be looking for when it comes to that sort of initial concern? What is it that we can be thinking of when, I mean, do we find a hotel room? What is sort of the steps of that housing process when you, uh, when you approach it? Yeah, no, I'm glad. Yes. Um, we really try to make things easy. Um, not only for you, but for everyone involved. So we'll take all that burden. Um, all you really need to do is, Pass us the information. Um, we just need the basic information on the claim. Be that if you have the claim number, uh, if you have the other information on the claim, but we mainly need the uh, insured's 
name, number, phone number, email, um, information like that. And then we handle everything as far as finding out if they have handicaps. Uh, that, that's quite common. We see that a lot now. Uh, also pets and anything else included. Uh, but we try to take care of everything. We shouldn't try to. We do. We handle every single detail um, from start to finish. So it's turnkey. You should not have to worry about handling any of this, about taking care of this, what type of hotel they're going to need. So we'll start them off in a hotel, especially like, let's say it's a large loss or fire, start them off in a hotel. Um, sometime we'll transition them into an Airbnb or a single family home. So like, let's say it's going to be a year claim, we'll transition them into that and we handle everything. Um, we'll also keep you aware of what's going on. Some people want to be uh, you know, kept aware of how everything is going, uh, what type of conditions they're staying in. So we'll make sure we CC on all the emails, all correspondence. Um, And so you can just sit back and relax and handle other things. Because I'm sure, as you know, Jeremy, there are so many other details that you're dealing with. The last thing you need to be worrying about is another thing with ALE. So we'll handle everything. Well, and and so housing housing is obviously the the, the primary concern. And then having the ability, I mean, no public adjuster, I mean, even even carriers have different services that they use, and there's a there's a few out there such as such as you know ALE Solutions. There's 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 a there's a smattering of them that exist out there. Um, sure. One of the one of the biggest things is is looking at the immediate need, and I'm kind of thinking about a claim that Caleb and I are currently working. Um, and it's a it's a it's a large house fire that is on that is situated on eight acres and it's got other structures and it's more of a it's more of a rural farm and ranch sort of environment and it had a gate on it and this gate due to the power being damaged during the house fire there was no power to the gate and so because there were other, there was livestock and other people's, you know, you know, the, 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 the client that I'm talking about had other people's horses that she boarded. She boarded some horses and things like that. And so there were people that were coming and going. And one of the immediate needs, like we didn't have time to wait on this was security and we had to figure out security. And so I jumped on the phone with Caleb and there's all of these needs that happen sort of all at once that have to be handled. And you as a public adjuster already have enough balls in the air when it comes to someone who is dealing with a fire that's trying to dig through and they're trying to trying to piece their life back together to figure out what exactly is lost. And it's a very emotional time. And some of these details are very hard to address. And so bringing somebody in that is singularly focused, never mind the expertise required to do it, but somebody that is singularly focused on these items is an absolute godsend. And so Caleb, what are, how is it that you prepare your team and, and, and let us know everything that you're going to have? I mean, are there certain questions that you're going to be asking that kind of thing? And do you deal directly with the client or are you getting all your information from the public adjuster? Huh? Good question. Uh, we we prefer to deal directly with the client just because there's so much information that's lost in translation. Um, it works out a lot better if we can just have direct contact with them. Um, and then as far as going in there, we kind of handle each case differently because each each uh, claim you're dealing with is going to be unique and different. So we'll step in there 
and handle any and everything they need. It's kind of like what you're saying in that situation, that was security services. Um, we do a uh, very common is food reimbursement. So we'll actually reimburse them. We actually have a virtual credit card that we can give out to our clients so they can go ahead and get any kind of food that they need uh, from the time of the claim. And so they don't have to worry about being reimbursed. This money directly to them. We handle any and all that. Another thing that's very common is giving um, fuel reimbursement so they can actually go ahead and fuel the car if they're driving um, you know, XX miles that they would not normally be driving. Um, and I kind of want to hit on that real quick because I kind of I sort of alluded to it. It's it, it's not an expense account because additional living expenses right. are additional expenses that you would right. not have normally had other than you're stuck in this loss. So, for example, he, he talked about fuel expenses and mileage and those sorts of things. Um, I want to remind you that if they're used to driving to work from their house every day and where we end up situating them happens to be six or seven miles further, well, that mileage is additional and the cost of that mileage is additional and should be tracked and considered. And so those are those are things because that's additional. They don't get all of their gas covered, just that additional amount that they would ordinarily above and beyond what they would ordinarily spend. And I have had clients that, you know, (laughs) they wanted a, uh, (laughs) I had one guy that submitted a receipt. This is no lie. I'm not, you can't make this stuff up that submitted a receipt for a stress massage. And uh, same client also submitted a receipt for his wife's birthday cake. And I said, you know, if you had not had this loss, you would have had to buy a birthday cake for for your wife. And he goes, no, I would have made it at home. And I was like, well, either way, (laughs) your wife's birthday cake is not a living expense. It is something and so you have to you have to look at the and it's just the above and beyond what you would ordinarily spend and however it is that you want to approach that and look at it now one of the things that I do guys and I'm going to give you this little tip especially when it comes to mileage um most carriers want to reimburse on the mileage as opposed to the direct fuel receipt so they'll 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 reimburse on the mileage and a lot of carriers want to reimburse at the IRS, you know, 56, 57, 58 cents a mile, depending on who's in office or who running the IRS at the time as to what we get. I want you guys to know that that is not a hard and fast number. Um, That is a deduction cap that the IRS has put in there. So that is the max amount that you can deduct from your from your adjusted gross income or that you can apply as an adjusted gross income. That is not the actual cost and what the policy covers, unless it's otherwise noted that we pay 56 cents a mile. What you can do is look at the annual cost of ownership for maintenance and fuel and then usually that is based on a twelve or 15,000 mile year. Divide that, amortize it out. I'm, I'm going to save you the mathematical formula here. But then you can figure out what it actually costs to drive that car per mile. And that's what I submit. I don't get, I don't get bogged down into the 56, or if you want to just be simple about it and turn in 56 cents a mile, I guess you can do that too. But if they're driving more expensive, more expensive cars like a Land Rover 
or, uh, you know, they've got, you know, maybe they have a, uh, think about this. They may have like a, uh, like an electric vehicle where the mileage is not quite the same. Those sorts of things where they don't have the same sort of fuel. You've got to get creative about how you reimburse these expenses. Um, Food expenses are kind of different, too, and I don't want to take over here too much, Caleb, but food on the upfront of a of a loss is going to be a much greater burden than on the back end of the loss because everybody has always eaten. So the additional living expenses would be the initial groceries or until you can get to the grocery store and buy those groceries and you're living in a situation where you can actually prepare your meals much like you did when you were at home. Everybody eats. Everybody is always eating, but it's the additional expenses of what you're having to spend maybe because you have to eat out and that's more expensive. So those are where additional living expenses come in. Um, what are some other things that we need to think about? Um, when it comes to additional living expenses that we would want to add or consider, Caleb? Oh, okay. As far as what else is uh, in that um, ALE uh, bucket is, uh, you know, there, there's so many different things and, and it's wide ranging and it's going to vary depending on the claim. But, you know, just like to your point there with the food, uh, you know, that that's a big category. That's very common. Um, we, I'll tell you this, we do have this and this is uh, per request from a carrier is that we pay out food-only claims. That's what we call it, just food-only. So we don't deal with anything, just pay uh, for their food. Like, i.e., if they've lost the use of their kitchen, uh, that is a qualified expense because they have loss of use, so you have an additional living expense because they are no longer have a kitchen, so we pay um, for them to be uh, reimbursed for their food expenses. That's a very common one. Um, but utilities is another one. Um Pet boarding is another one that's that's very common. You didn't touch on that. Uh, we will pay for any and all kind of pet boarding costs that you would not normally incur. Um, another one that's just kind of running through my head right now is uh, if you if you're staying at a hotel for a week or so while you're finding a more permanent location, not all of those have laundries, or even if they do have laundries, they generally have to be paid for. So your dry cleaning or your laundering bill or your bundling service that you would use um, to get your clothes washers, and that's a right. that's a that's another big one where you're looking at. I, I mean, I think the list kind of goes on and on and on, and I don't want to belabor it, but it's any extra money that they would not ordinarily spend is what is going to fall under these additional living expenses, which is exactly what the coverage says it is. It's additional living expenses. So once again, it is not an expense account. This is the, and a lot of people think, well, this is the amount of money that I have to spend while I'm wrestling and dealing with this loss. Boy, wouldn't that be nice if we could get a coverage called expense account coverage so that this is what I live on while I'm, while I'm going through this thing. But um, yeah, that's, um, that's going to do it for round one, um, sort of what ALE is and the different things that sort of apply to ALE. Again, if you have questions or comments about round one, please feel free to drop them in the comments. We're going to get into kind of the bare knuckles portion of this uh, podcast in round two because it starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. 
do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, how do you fight for ALE? Caleb, one of the biggest things that I see come across is, oh no, I realize their house is burned down around them, but they can, uh, they can, they can live in the garage. You know, do you run into this a lot and do you get into it with carriers on when it would be warranted and not warranted? Of course. And maybe even help uh, public adjusters help determine when do, when do they want to not just call you in, but when should we be looking for using ALE? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked that because that's extremely relevant. Um, you know, and, and I think that ALE should be used a lot more often than it is. Uh, and that a lot of that just comes down to um, a lot of people don't know about this. They just don't know anything about this. Uh, this is on their policy. Um, so they should have access to, access to this. Um, I'm going to touch on what I just talked about earlier is like a kitchen. Let's say you have, uh, it can be a kitchen fire, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, think of all kinds of different things that could take out a kitchen area of the house um, and make it where they could not have access to that. That could be water damage. It could be all kinds of different things where uh, the homeowner basically just no longer has access. Another thing I'm thinking of is mold. You could have mold uh, just kind of in one area of the house. Well, now that is a qualified expense to go in there and say, hey, um, we need to have ALE. They can still live in their house, but they've lost the use of the kitchen. And so now we can actually go in there and pay that homeowner uh, for their food and not just for a week or two, but however long it takes to get that kitchen back, they should have those type of expenses in there. Uh, but there's all kinds of different things. Whenever you're talking about a fire claim, that's usually usually when the house is burning the ground, there's rarely a debate. It rarely comes back. We see this a lot more often with water claims. Water claims are the ones that they come back and they are uh, especially uh, certain carriers are coming back more often than not and saying uh, they can, I'll I'll quote him. What did he just say just today? Um, It's qualified, but only if it's, it's qualified expense, not if they're uncomfortable. Like, what does that mean? What do you mean? Uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like, sounds like it's all, and I'm not going to name this carrier, but you know, yeah, we I, appreciate sure you not naming carriers. Out. We don't, we don't call <laughs> them out here. It's uncomfortable because you know who you are. We don't have to name you. You know who you are. <laughs> well, most people probably would as well. But whenever you say uncomfortable, I'm like, what does that mean? Uncomfortable? If they've lost the use of it, if they no longer can can live in that house, then then we can go in there and go to work. Um, that you know that that should be a matter of black and white. If they've got two inches of water, even if the water is cleaned out, they're still, they cannot stay in that house. That That's clear and present. We've seen this as well, where the, the floors were damaged beyond repair. They had to entirely rip out the floors of this house. Uh, the carrier's coming back and trying to say, nope, they can stay in the house. That's uncomfortable. And you're like, no, you cannot stay in a house. This lady has a wheelchair. She cannot be in her house because... The floors are not, you know, they're not there at all. Um, so in those situations like water damage, any kind of thing like that, um, where it's it's a gray area is what I'd call it. Um, that's when you go to work as a public adjuster and start saying, hey, no, the reason they, oh, another one is, is very common is mold uh, because the public, the 
adjusters will try as best they can to say, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the house. Uh, it's, it's okay. And so that's when you have to have a mold report. Uh, and if there is mold present in the house, then, then that's uh, something you can take to court if you need to. Uh, usually you never need to get anywhere near that. It's just saying, hey, here's a mold report. They cannot be in the house. I want to jump in here too on the sure. mold on the mold portion of it, and I just for for you guys listening, what they'll often try to do is they'll say, "Well, there's a five thousand dollar cap on mold, or there's a cap on mold, and you've already hit the cap." And so there's that is only on coverage A, and the mold cap does not apply to additional living expenses. Additional living expenses is qualified under whether or not the loss is covered. Okay, so you have to have a covered loss in order for ALE to be available to you. But the moment it's it's triggered, even if because you may have a forty thousand dollar mold loss, but only a five thousand dollar and a five thousand dollar cap on it. Well, it doesn't change the fact that their house is not livable, um, whether you prove that through a, a mold report. There's a lot of different things that we could get into that that basically prove it. But the point is, is that we have a qualified covered loss here. I have additional living expenses while I'm waiting for this to be remediated. Once it's remediated, then then they may begin to leverage, you know, that that whether or not it's livable or livable or not. So you're going to have to revisit whether or not it's livable. Um, while I'm asking, is there a is there an um, amount of time? Like, take a water loss, just for example, a water loss. So not a fire, but a water loss. What do you when you start negotiating for temporary housing? And I'm not talking about the immediate hotel. I'm talking about right. the more semi permanent housing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What do you generally say? Is it 90 days? Is it 60 days? What is your initial effort of approval there? What do you think? <laughs> That's that's, you you kind of opened a can of worms on that. that that's a, a really uh, interesting topic because um, what happens is, and and maybe this is just industry standard, is that um, these adjusters, they, they do not want to pay for five seconds longer than they absolutely have to. So they will only prove for the minimum time, even though they shoot themselves in the foot on that because it costs more money. Um, and so if it's, Something like, let's say, like what you're saying, semi-permanent. That's that's when it gets into like gray area, and that, and that does require more finesse, more negotiating. Um, but like, let's say it's four months. Um, we're going to go ahead and we talk with the restoration company, usually on a you know, I'd say a weekly basis, to find out, hey, what's going on on site? How are you guys doing? Is this going to need an extension? Because we need to know before anyone else does how much longer is this going to be on there for. We'll go ahead and secure the property for, let's say, a month-to-month term in those type of areas. Like, let's say it's four months. We'll go ahead and secure everything. And then as far as the adjuster side, we'll have to go back uh, on a regular basis and get an extension and get an extension. And get it just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, they just do these extensions on a regular basis. It's common uh, practice because they, I think the biggest thing is they do not want to pay for any longer than they absolutely have to. So you, we've gone through it where we've done 12 extensions and it's just to the point where it's just crazy. You're just constantly doing that. 
Well, uh, you know, one of the depending, I kind of look at the loss, and I, just, I honestly, I figure how long are they going to be out? You know, um, I use my own experience there. Water losses, ideally, I'm going to try to get it, you know, get it settled um, as quickly as I possibly can. But one of the things that I argue is basically that they have 60 days to investigate the claim. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they, I mean, right. there's, there's a timeline that exists on these things. They have 60 days to even pay the claim. You know what I mean? So while they're investigating the claim, they may only have 15 business days. And this is in the state of Texas, 15 business days to, um, to to request information once they've accepted the claim they have 15 days uh business days so that's three weeks to request information then they have like nearly 60 days to make a coverage decision and then once they've made a coverage decision you know then they have five days to pay it well i mean i'm at the big i'm sitting here looking at the amount of time that they have to make a coverage decision in oklahoma um you know i think they have somewhere you know around 90 days to even issue dollar one towards the towards the uh, towards the don't hold me to that you're gonna have to check your statutes but one of the things that i base it on is how long do they have before they have to issue dollar one to make the payment on the claim that's what i'm looking at and so when i start asking for ale on the upfront i'm going to be going if you think this loss is covered and you're ready to approve ale i understand that that the point is, is if you're ready to approve it, I have to look at the amount of days that we may be in dispute over this thing. And one of the biggest things that I ask is that we are going to come to an agreed scope. And at that point in time, we're then going to make a determination on how long it's needed. So in, in the in the beginning of this you know, that's how I'm setting my timelines is based on how long that they have to actually pay the claim once it's been, you know, determined that it's that it's a, a covered loss. So those are those are definitely questions that I'm asking myself, you know, and I have seen carrier after carrier after a carrier. But again, they'll remain nameless because they know who they are that will leverage ALE to make you take a quicker settlement. And um, I have seen them, you know, it's not clearly stated, but they're going to cut your ALE off. I have seen them cut the ALE off when the claim goes to appraisal and the appraisal, it sits in there 90 days and they've gone back and said, no, it only takes 60 days to repair it. And they go to the date of loss and they say, you know, contractors say it only takes 60 days to repair it, assuming that we have the money, you know, and they'll still continue to leverage ALE. So it is not something that you want to sleep on especially you want to start laying that groundwork very early and don't think that it's something that you're just going to handle later and as long as they've got a hotel or a house everything is fine there are some of these things when you're when you're negotiating it as a public adjuster to make sure that that you understand the landscape of it so there's a lot of consulting with contractors there's a lot of uh you know, there's a lot of consideration on material availability. If that kitchen's out, it may be 12 weeks before you get cabinets. You know what I mean? And you've got to look at these things on how long it's going to take to reconstruct it. And you want to give a timeline to the carrier because you owe them that. You know what I mean? You owe them sort of what your projected thing is. And you argue about that on the, you know, when you're uh, getting placement. Now, are there um, in this case, we can mention carriers. Are there ones that you're kind of already set up with that makes it easy to use you in these situations where maybe it's not as much of a fight or you, you know, <laughs> bare knuckling it with all of them? 
No, no, there's there's carriers that we work directly with. So, um, you know, and as far as the fight goes, um, a lot of that just comes down to the carrier. Um, you know, whether whether you're a, a, a you know preferred partner with them or preferred vendor with them or not, um, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any difference. To be honest, they're they're probably going to try to do everything they can to keep. I'm just going to say this politely to keep costs low. Um, but um, you know, that's um, we. You know, you, you've touched on a really good point there, Jeremy, is that, uh, and unfortunately, the, the person who's really, uh, you know, at the loss on this is the homeowner. Uh, that that homeowner sure. is has no clue what's going on. And, you know, they've gone through a loss. Let's say it's a, a major large loss. Um, and you're going to expect them to wait until when, until that carrier comes back and eventually uh, comes back and says, yeah, this is an approved loss. Um, and yeah, we, we approve ALE. Um, so what we do, and this is just our company, I think this separates us is we take a risk. We go ahead and help that family out from day one. Uh, as soon as the fire happened, whatever the, wow, loss guys, is, let's give him we'll a go in there of applause for taking that risk. <laughs> I mean, that is, yeah, settle down, settle down. It's only a Monday. Um, you it know. may not be a good business decision, but I mean, if you honestly look at this from, uh, you know, you know, helping people out and, and helping that family out after the loss can be a huge difference. Uh, you know, you're right there right after they picked up from the curbside and you can get them into a hotel. You transition them the whole time, take care of everything for them. Um, things, good things come back to you. That's kind of all I, I've based everything on. It's not a good business decision. It's a bad business decision. It's probably a lot better to wait until everything's cleared. But as you just pointed out, Jeremy, that can be days. It could be weeks. Hell, it could be months. Uh, and what is that family supposed to do in the meantime? Where are right. they going to go? Right. And Caleb, I, I can't tell you how much I, I've appreciated the way that you've handled my clients personally um, and and being able to get them taken care of. I mean, that was a we, we moved pretty quickly just last week on getting people located where they needed to be. And and, you know, Kind of going back to when it's warranted, not warranted, that really is sort of, you know, what was it you said? They can't just be uncomfortable. Well, let me explain to you. There's a, there's a lot of uh, it's well, that's not true. First of all, um, I don't believe that comfort is even addressed in the policy if it's a covered loss, you know, and the home is not inhabitable. But what makes something inhabitable for some is different than others. I mean, if you've got somebody that's got, you know, maybe a, a an ailment of some sort that prevents them from being around construction dust. That's one big one that I'm thinking of. Um, there's another one like what if you've got a family that homeschools their children? And they're trying right. to, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, yeah. there's these situations that maybe we need to look into. What if somebody's got a home office and they don't have the home office anymore? There's a lot of these different things. And I'm going to tell you one specific one. And I, I just want to tell you the story. There was a, there was a lady who owned a home. Her, her adult daughter had moved in with her to basically take care of her that was um, suffering from dementia or Alzheimer. And it was a very minor loss. It wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it was, there was a lot of damage to the exterior. And what had happened is they had a tree limb that perforated the roof covering and went all the way into the dwelling inside of the, inside of the living room. And they had some sheetrock that was knocked out. And then obviously they had some water damage that was in there, but like the kitchen wasn't affected. The bathroom wasn't affected, but 
this poor lady that lived there who was mobile and, you know, I mean, she was elderly, obviously, but she was still, you know, young enough that she moved around, moved around. Okay. But the thought of strangers coming in and out of her house on a daily basis while those repairs were being made would have sent her into a decline. Never mind. My grandmother died of, of Alzheimer's. So I'm aware of the paranoia that comes in. And and I mean, even to relocate them is, is a huge undertaking in that situation. So those are things that have to be considered. What is right for some may not be right for others. And what seems minor to one family can be a catastrophic event to another. And so you want to, there's, there's all, there's no right answer here. You know what I mean? There is no, when this happens, this happens. And and that's why it's non-codified to be, it's if it's a covered loss and they need additional living expenses, that's why it's there. Whether it's a place to keep their dog, whether it's a place for them to live, whether it's a place for them to do laundry, that is the point of it. And it's not always just something that has to be, you know, a complete and total relocation, that kind of thing. It's not always that. So um, keep those things in mind. Um, guys, we're going to get into uh, that's going to close out round two. Caleb, did you have any final thoughts on round two before I move on? I do. I wanted to quote this if you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. <laughs> I thought there's nothing better than actually quoting this directly. This is, uh, I won't name name, names on anything. I just, this is directly from um, the, uh, (laughs) an active claim right now. Um, But he's saying that uh, this is from our correspondence back and forth with an adjuster and and the adjuster, he mentioned that he can extend an ALE if the house is really uninhabitable. Hence this code word uninhabitable, not uncomfortable. So to sum up that whole round, that's that's it right there. You have to argue the point of uninhabitable. If it's just like you said, Jeremy, before with uh, mold, with um, water damage, with whatever it is, it's uninhabitable. Um, <laughs> I think he's trying to play on words there saying, oh, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and you have to go back and say, no, 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 that's not uncomfortable. That is simply uninhabitable. They cannot sure. inhabit their house. That's it. And and when and and a home becomes uninhabitable on different levels, right? So you go back to the lady with dementia. That's no longer an inhabitable home where exactly. you've got workers exactly. and you've got all kinds of things. If you've got somebody that's got a you know a breathing disorder of some kind, you know you've right. got a child with asthma. It's not inhabitable at that point in time. I can know it is. That's why they call it loss of use as well. And so let's go back to looking at one of the things that it covers is the loss of use. If it can no longer function for which you own it for, that is a loss of use. And when it ceases to function in the way that it's designed to function, then then that's what that that's the point of that coverage is so that it's there. You know, and and guys, don't forget that. And that's why. And and so when you tailor your fight or you want to know whether or not you should be fighting, let that more be your barometer than anything else. We're going to get into round three and it starts right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page, sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage 
and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service and SEO search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E. Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E, and she can be reached once again at 
round three. What do we need to get together when it comes time? Then we know that we're going to have to have all that kind of stuff. Caleb, what do we do? Is that the name of the round? <laughs> That's the name of the round. It's going to be really hard to type out. Yeah. That's so, funny. Caleb, That's- I, I know we kind of kind of touched and hit on this kind of thing. Um, obviously, we want to get you dealing with them directly, but what are some of the initial things maybe when we call you or we're trying to do that warm handoff? Sure. Um, do you have a form? I mean, what is it? Yeah, we what do. Yeah, we have a form, uh, but it, it's terribly simple. It, this is, um, you know, I, we try to keep it within 30 seconds to five minutes. Uh, the form literally asks a handful of questions. Uh, that are very, very basic uh, questions that, you know, they can be answered by pretty much anyone. We need to know uh, your your client's name, number, email address, their contact, obviously. Uh, if you have the um, claim number, that's great. And if you also have the adjusters, uh, company adjusters direct information, that's great as well. The only thing that's really required is just uh, your client's contact information. So we'll go after them and start really fighting and handling everything. The whole point here is to make uh, reduce this um, admin, uh, mainly all, all the different things that go along with this. Just like what you were saying before, Jeremy, on is this qualified? Uh, what exactly can we cover on that? Um, and I've kind of pulled up a little bit longer of a list here just to kind of go over uh, more details. And so, uh, Donna, that was another thing is that this round was supposed to be like, what is qualified for ALE? What what encompasses uh, this ALE? That's a little bit more of a bite size way to put it there you go yeah <laughs> there you go i'll use I'll that, that. <laughs> it's a little bit more drawn out um but i've got things like um and i'm just gonna just just tell you a few of these uh just because I, I think this is this is things you got to think about just like you said jeremy with an um, office an at-home office if you get put into a hotel room you no longer have access to these type of things so oh, you can just use to, the business center. We can just use the business center down there. <laughs> you know, that's what they're going to try to argue. They're going to try to argue that point. And that's not right, you know, because you, you at home, you've had this whole personal space um, that was X number of size in square footage, and, and you've lost use of that. So now, hey, you know, you need to have an office space. Uh, just you said this earlier before is laundry expenses. We'll pay for that. We'll pay for all that directly. Uh, cleaning services. Um, you know, if, if there's something unusual about the circumstances, we'll go in there and we'll pay for, you know, them to have cleaning services, um, security, just like you said before, um, you know, on this claim that we're actively working. So this is, this happens in that situation, you're talking about the gate that was no longer functionable. So now their entire property became, uh, basically vulnerable. And so we needed to have security services, Another thing that I think is really important, and this is small, but still this is needs to go on there, is internet uh, and cable services. So let's say that you're staying yeah. at a hotel and or your your client's staying at a hotel and they no longer have access to what they had back home, which was internet. Uh, it's extremely important. Um, and so if they're staying at the hotel, they should not have to pay for the internet service uh, if that hotel charges. Most of them do for a premium uh, internet service. Most of them are charging for that. That is a qualified expense. Um, so we should be taking care of that. We should be paying for all those types of services. Obviously, if you get them back into a, a regular permanent housing type, we're going to pay for their, their internet services there as well. But that is going to be something that we're going to pay for. 
Uh, it may seem like a small detail, but it, I assure you it's not to that homeowner. They're going through all this stress and they're like, oh crap, I got to pay $16.99 a day for internet service. That adds up to them. It's a big deal. Um, another thing is like phone and forwarding services. Um, you know, mail forwarding because they can no longer get the mail at their property. I don't know if this is the case on every, this is obviously not the case on most claims, but this does happen where they're no longer able to receive mail. Uh, they're no longer able to do different things like that. So any anything that's going to, any kind of disruption in life services that you normally have is going to be qualified. The... And and try and that and that's really different. I'm sorry, I kind of got wrapped up there. Sure. That's really different depending on people and how they live their life. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's the point. That's the point of the insurance coverage. Is there's a lot there that goes into you know people and how they live their life. Um, you know, we talked in the previous rounds like homeschooling. You know what I'm saying? And that's Good a point. very, that's a that is point. a, that, that is growing in grand popularity. People in crowds are, are homeschooling their children and, and the ability to provide, you know, their normal, for lack of a better term, classroom environment that, that would exist, you know, when you're trying to educate your children is going to be something that, that's important. You know what I mean? Maybe they bought that house because it had that room that they exactly. could set up, you know, with the chalkboard or the, you know, you know, the projector or whatever it was that they need to, to formally educate their children. Um, there's, there's a lot of things. And even if it's something as simple as they sit at the kitchen table and they do a self-paced study kind of thing. Um, one of the other things that I, that I got to thinking about that, you know, honestly didn't cross my mind till Caleb and I got to working on some different things in some previous conversations that we had is that when you go into even some of these long-term rental things, um, you know, you talked about the, the internet and, and the amount of the amount that people even stream these days. And I, you know, and it's like, we think about these utilities, utilities obviously are important, but furniture you know what i mean like even if their furniture isn't damaged but their house has had to be packed out i mean moving it from their house to the place that they're going to be staying that may be empty that's an expense that moving expense there and back um would be you know especially if you're running close on contents coverage that would actually be an additional living expense i'm not claiming anything on the contents that need to be cleaned that i just need to move this chalkboard from my house over to the new place that we're staying so that i can homeschool my kids or i'm going to need to move these this equipment from here over to here so that so that i have i have access to it um you know some things that are easier is you know general furniture you know a dinette set or a, you know, living room sofa, beds, those kinds of things. All of those things are, we get into furniture rental at that point in time, right? Um, what have you, you know, one of the things that, and again, I'm going to be as cryptic as I need to be here, sure. but like, um, you know, a bed, <laughs> when people call up and they start complaining about the bed that you rented for them, those kinds of things, well, you know, the rental, how do you, how do you accommodate 
that. Maybe, you know, it's like I like to sleep on the couch on Sundays and then we get into the uncomfortable thing. You know, this couch just won't work for that, that kind of deal. So how do you accommodate? Is Have you run into limits or issues like that? Um, is that something that we need to be considering when we ask them about what are the what's the sort of furniture that you're going to want in the house? What are you going to need? Is that something that you can take into account? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. But you did kind of touch on something that's uh, kind of another uh, topic for me as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we do run into that. Those are generally the higher end claims. Uh, whenever people are getting a little bit pickier with the type of furniture, we do like a standard furniture rental. That's very common. Um, and so then we furnish the house out with those. Um, I would say probably 90, 95% of people, you never hear anything about it. Uh, but you do, you do hear this on, on some claims of saying, I want this, I want that. And as long as it's, uh, qualifying as, as long as it's within budget, we'll provide that. Um, but another subject you just kind of breezed upon there was the limits. And that is incredibly important, uh, subject matter is, um, you know, cause we deal with this all the time is if there's just not enough budget in there, uh, like ALE limits, uh, cause there is a budget. It's like you said, it's not unlimited expense account. Um, and we, we run hard up against that limit. Uh, we're dealing with that right now. Um, so we would like to put this family into a property for 18 months. Um, but they simply do not have the budget. And so what we're going to do is just going to do it for six months. And, and, you know, we're doing the best we can. We're going to do the absolute best we can for this family. Um, but that's a big subject matter and, and that needs to be discussed. Absolutely. Is, uh, there's a limit and, uh, we try to get in front of things. We try to notify people right up front, like, hey, listen, you simply do not have enough money and this is going to last this many months projected. And after that, that's it. You, you can start figuring something else out. So that's that's something that it's definitely important. Um, What are some, uh, you know, I there's there's a lot of there's a lot to consider. One of the things I know that you brought up was like pet boarding. How yeah. does that work because I mean, most of the time people are going to want to take them, their pets with them. They do. Right. That's you know what I mean? Most all the they time. want to take their pets with them. Have you ever been in a situation where it's going to be a lot, you know, you just can't find anything that's pet friendly. And I mean, what are you, what, how does, how does that work? And have you had any problems with carriers covering that expense? Maybe, I mean, I'm even going to throw it out there on a long-term basis. It's like, it's two or three months and we can't have our pet live with us. You know, yeah. my, my pet anaconda, my pet anaconda is just, you know, not, not going to go. <laughs> I have seen that. I have, or, I have seen or, that. Or, I have seen, uh, goats. I have seen, uh, right. snakes, uh, all kinds of different things like that. And those are without a doubt more difficult. Uh, another thing, cause that's, that's a big subject matter. Um, my, my pet tiger can't come with me. I'm <laughs> right. upset about that. Right. <laughs> and they would be, um, but you know, um, it is qualified, especially under the sense of like uh, you're saying pet boarding, but uh, that's rarely used just because most homeowners want to keep the pets with them. They will they will fight, um, you know, to the end to keep that pets with them. Uh, and what that really does is it just drives up the costs on everything uh, because it, it is. It's just flat out more expensive uh, to keep your pet with you, not only from a one time standpoint, but also you're going to pay more money per month for those, uh, for the housing, for everything because of that. So yeah, that's definitely something on there. Uh, and as far as the, uh, carriers, they come back and fight it all the time, but, um, you know, we just have to <laughs> throw it right back at them. Like, Hey, nope, this is qualified. 
this is a normal expense. Um, this is on there. So, you know, any, any and all things like that will come back. Uh, we have a lot of uh, tricks. We understand the different carriers. So we know they're, I would call it a personality type, but it's clearly not a personality, but we understand how they operate. Uh, and so we'll, we'll cater everything to those different carriers to make sure that everything is going to pass through. Um, but it's more a matter of the limits. That's kind of a, your, your another big subject matter is, hey, you know, if we have a $200,000 ALE, I wouldn't say the sky's unlimited, but, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can do uh, to make things work. Um, it's when you have a twenty or 30000 or even a fifty or $60,000 ALE, that becomes a lot more difficult in the sense of like, well, there's no, no way around this. It's just going to, it's going to cap out. I think one of the, one of the important things that you bring up there is, is, is take a look at how much is available. Yeah, oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? And, and, and how quickly that money goes. I've got a client right now that's got a $90,000 um, cap. You know what I'm saying? And, and often they'll set these caps as a percentage of cover J, right? right? And, and, and when the agent is setting these and they're asking them and they're basing their premium, usually that is a really good place to sort of say, you know, maybe one out of 30 losses are even going to have a situation where you're going to use ALE. And generally right. it's not for an extended period of time. Well, this one client has a fire. He's got a $90,000 cap. Now, can we make that work? Probably so. But we want to make sure that we're eyeballing and looking at this thing because he lives in a 25 square, 2,500 square foot home. Um, we don't want to chew this up. I've had other clients that were going to have a 60 or 90 day, you know, displacement and they only had $20,000 worth of coverage. Yep. You know, you are going to chew that up. Those are concerns that maybe it's like, look, if you've got a small limit, let's try to find some friends and family that can give us a reasonable, you know, that maybe we can get it for five or six hundred so that you have access to, you know, you can take the burden off of the family that you're staying with. But some of those strategic efforts in in making sure that that's done. And and Caleb, let me ask you this. Sure. You 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 provide this. I mean, like for me, you have you provide this ALE service. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, Hey man, handle the ALE. I think they're going right. to stay with family because one of the things that you do is you handle the invoicing and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So there's more to it. So talk a little bit in the, kind of the final moments of the administrative burden that you lift off of public adjusters. Yeah, no, I, I would say just like you just said, uh, you know, cause once you turn everything over to us, we'll handle any and all. Uh, and that could be a matter of just like what you're saying, uh, those are unique situations, just like what you're you're describing there, uh, where you're going to kind of have a um, a friend or family member that has a property that is willing to rent it out for a lower price. Um, but we get that that happens, and that's really nice when we can find a, a situation like that that will work out. Um, but another thing is um, that I want to talk about really quickly is deposits. Uh, when you have a family that is going to stay into a house. Um, and they have to put down a deposit, whether or not they're a victim of a fire or not, or anything else, Right, there's still a deposit and that deposit will not be $200. It's like thousands of dollars. Sometimes we've gotten to 10,000, $20,000 deposits, but it's very common to see four or $5,000 deposits. Do you think they have that money sitting in a checking account? It's unlikely. It's extremely unlikely. Right. And right. so we'll actually pay for that. We pay for that to get them into the house. 
uh, and that can make a huge difference to them uh, to go ahead and get into a house. We'll also co-sign the the lease. Uh, we'll actually sign everything and handle everything for them to get them into wow. the house to go ahead and take care of it. That can be fundamental difference because there's a lot of people that uh, they were fine whenever they were homeowners, but now you throw them into this environment and guess what? Their credit's not that good or for whatever other reason, because they're stretched to the limit, um, they they will not qualify for the, the home. And so what are they supposed to do? They're going to put them in a hotel for a year. So we'll actually I'm go in there. I'm not good enough credit to have a fire. I apologize. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, you're throwing people uh, a curveball with all this. And, and guess what? There can be a lot of other expenses that they did not know that would be coming along with this um, fire. And so they do not have the money to go ahead and pay thousands of dollars or the credit to get onto that uh, that lease. And so, yeah, we'll actually sign it. We'll handle it as a company that makes it a lot easier um, to go ahead and get into those properties and just put them on there as a tenant. Um, so that that can be a difference between running out of money uh, or or staying in the property until their home is ready to go. <laughs> Man, that just flew by. I can't yeah, believe. It seems like it, didn't it? Golly, I think I feel like I've man. You talk about the tip of the iceberg. Will you come back and do some more of this with us? Maybe yeah, we can do an entire show, maybe on just what is ALE. And I think we can. <laughs> I think we could. We could drill this down. But for those of us that may need your services or learn more about what you do prior to you coming back and rumbling with us yet again, how do we uh, get in touch with you if you wouldn't mind helping us out there? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can just visit our website. That's prpih.com. Um, or send us an email, admin at prpih.com, um, or give us a call. Uh, so it's 405-604-0786. Um, you know, it's like you said, Jeremy, there's other companies out there um, that that provide a service. Um, but, um, you know, from my experience as well, uh, just kind of seeing what happens, because I never get to see the other side, uh, there's some crazy stories there's some absolutely crazy stories what these other companies are doing and requiring. Um, and uh, if anything, I'm impressed. I'm like, wow, you guys, you guys have gotten away with this kind of stuff for so long. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I really think that um, we can lighten the load to say the least. I think that's the biggest thing. We can lighten your load, make your life easier, make your clients happier. Um, and that, that makes everything go a lot smoother. Um, well, Caleb, I really appreciate that guys. If you handle one loss and you try to handle the ALE, you'll understand where I'm coming from. Um, you've got a lot to handle and I I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, this is something that desperately needs attention and focus. And one of the best ways for those of you who care anything at all about what I say or what I think, um, you're going to want to outsource this unless you have a big enough firm that is, you know, set and designed and you can, and you can have people to focus on it or whatever the case may be. It just requires a lot of attention and ongoing management. You've got to pay attention to those things and follow up with people. Um, There's going to be an extensive amount of receipts that come. And I mean, the thing that, trust me, the thing that you're not thinking about is going to come up. They're going to incur some sort of expense that nobody else is thinking of. We're sitting here and we're thinking about, you know, um, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, 
you know, that's going to cost us extra. Some of that stuff is very evident. Some of that stuff is hidden and you're not going to know until you get down the road. Like I'm, you know, it's like, I'm thinking about gas, but one of the things I didn't think about is the extra tolls that I'm going to have. All of these things are, are extra and those, and and you never really know until it kind of slaps you in the face and you realize, man, I'm spending a lot of extra money here. Why am I spending extra money? Caleb service will help you figure that out. So if not him, someone like him, and I just like the white glove treatment and I endorse Caleb. Um, I am happy that he is a part of what we do here. He um, just from a customer testimonial or a public adjuster testimonial, I try to handle my clients with white glove treatment. So I use people who, who cater in the same kind of way. And I can certainly tell you that Caleb does that for people. Well, guys, that is all that we have time for. I want to remind you that registration is open for the control, the narrative event that is going to happen on March 5th at the Alamo Draft House in Irving, Texas. If you have any questions or concerns about that, please hit us up on Facebook. You can go to remedyclaims.com slash training to register and see all of the cool stuff that we're going to be getting there. Um, I hope all of you are doing well, but in the meantime, stay ready so you don't have to get ready and we will see you on the next one. I won't start it, but I damn sure won't finish it.